Hi, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Building a Permaculture Property Podcast. My name is Dakota Cohen, and on today's episode, I've got my buddy, Tim Peel Wickstrom, who is an incredible blacksmith and artisan uh, who's living in Creston, BC. Um, I met Tim, when was it? I think it was, it would have been five or six years ago at a, it was like a CD Sunday event in Calgary. Was it the first time we met? You know, I think the first time we met was actually at, um, it was a farmer gathering in Lethbridge. It was a Moore and Jody. They had a farm out there and we, uh, they invited you down to speak to them about what you did on your farm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I had a little forge set up there doing some demonstrations and showing that to people. Yeah. And that was the first time we met. That was, that was, I think like six, seven or eight years ago. Like it was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then ever since then, I just can't stop bumping India. I just, (laughs) every, (laughs) every, every farmer's market I went to and, and uh, you know, CD Sunday event and stuff, you were, uh, you're always there. So um, yeah. yeah. Anyways, that, that was, I, I remember that now that was years ago. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, like at, at that time I was, I've always been uh, when I was a little kid uh, I there's like, there's pictures of me. <clears throat> I collected knives mm. and, and I'm just like tools. Like when uh, you know, my, my parents would get me like little play tool sets for kids like at Christmas or my birthday or something like the plastic cheap ones. And I just would have nothing to do with it. I'd throw them away and I'd go and steal my dad's tools. <laughs> I, I wanted the real hammers and the real screwdrivers. Um, and uh, so I've always been a tool nut. And when I was a little kid, I had, uh, I would collect these knives and I like a lot of little pocket knives have like a little keychain hook. And I was such a weirdo. I, I'd like loop them all together. And I had this like tail of knives of like 20 different <laughs> knives that I'd hooked together uh in this big That's class awesome. and I'd clip it onto my one of my belt loops and I'd walk around with it uh as a, like a four or five year old kid um so anyways when I when I met Tim who was you're you were also a, a tool nut we just hit it off uh super well mm. and uh yeah since then we've we've uh, we've you know kept in touch and and um you know mm. I've uh I've used a lot of the tools that you've made and, and, uh, for a while there, I was, I was selling them on my website until things got so busy. I, I just can't do it anymore. But, uh, mm. anyways, we, we've been trying to do a podcast for a long time and I'm super happy to, to have you on. And, and, uh, I've got some, some great questions to, to see the conversation. Uh, but before we dive into that, why don't you just give folks a bit of your introduction background, what got you into blacksmithing and stuff like that? For sure. So um, the, my background, basically, I, I went to university to study computer science, and I did that for almost 10 years as a career. Mm. And then I started uh, basically rethinking my entire life, came across the concepts of permaculture, that kind of stuff. Left my job, did a two-week intensive course at Verge Permaculture with Rob Avis, and Rob's kind of been a contact between you and me all these years too. And um, that two week course based, like it really kind of clarified things for me in the direction I wanted to take. And during the process of that course, I met my wife, Lorinda, who's my business partner now. And she works with me in the forge. And it also helped clarify for me, um, pursuing blacksmithing as a career. Yeah. We some of the things that we talked about in permaculture, like the, the, the techniques of 
waste recycling and looking at ways to basically just make our lifestyles a bit more sustainable. Seeing that, knowing that blacksmiths traditionally used a lot of scrap, like they do make a lot of things out of scrap material because iron and steel are almost infinitely recyclable. Yeah. And um, I had also had an interest in blacksmithing and armor, I guess, what do you call armor smithing too before then? So I'm kind of a huge nerd, but <laughs> you're you're big into Dungeons and Dragons, aren't you? Uh huh. Yes, yeah. I am. Okay, cool. I've been playing for too long, but uh, yeah. So I saw this opportunity to like combine my interest in permaculture with the blacksmithing and getting like my hands on uh, making tools and making hand tools and really encouraging people to. Uh, kind of revisit that the the value of having tools that are going to last a long time high quality that kind of stuff and it's just those are things that I'm really interested in as well so it really helped fuel the fire that's needed to run a business because there's so much that goes on beyond just hammering metal right yeah 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 I, I had no idea that you started out as a as a computer science guy yeah I just, yeah, I, just assumed, uh, I just assumed you were like a dwarf that just like crawled out of the ground <laughs> with, with a hammer and an anvil in your pocket and just <laughs> maybe maybe deep in my heart okay but uh yeah the uh the interest in Dungeons and Dragons and stuff that kind of it spilled over into my real life and I started making actual armor like finding wire learn how to make chain mail that kind of stuff okay and I was starting to get into actually making plates and stuff, and that requires the forging and whatnot. And then I met a blacksmith just outside Winnipeg, where I lived at the time. And uh, yeah, I got to try heating up some steel and banging out some hooks and things, and I was I was hooked on the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I remember when I was a kid, I was I was big into it, and I've always wanted to own a forge. Um, I've never been able to find like a, a decent one that uh, wasn't burned out, but uh, yeah. one day, one day when I'm an old man, I'll, uh, <laughs> that's going to be one of my hobbies. Um, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's really interesting. Like the, especially now, like since like I said, I didn't realize that you started out as a, in the tech space, why mm -hmm. the shift? Like that's, that is a dramatic shift to go from, you know, like kind of cutting edge technology back to, you know, many centuries, like, like the, because the, from what I understand right now, like you're still doing everything by hand, like you don't, even, you're not even using a trip hammer or anything. It's, it's all, um, I, mean, I guess I've seen, I've seen your shop, you, you do have some power tools, but for the most part, you're, you try to do as much by hand as you can. Right. So I'm just curious, what, right. like, why the, why the drastic shift? Why the shift? Yeah, I mean, like, like, why, yeah, why I, like, why not? Why didn't you just get into CNCs and get a get a plasma cutter? Why did you go all the way back to forge and hammer? Yeah, a lot of my family and friends wonder that too. It's like, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> it's man, that was such a strange process. It was uh, like the best word I can think of it is a sort of self initiation basically exposing myself to new ideas that I'd not explored, explored before things like the limits to growth. Um, and basically just taking a look at where our society was headed and what 
I figured reasonable outcomes for the future would be. And I had to, I decided for myself at that time that um, continuing on in tech space and doing programming and working for the government just didn't really have much of a future for me. Hmm. And when I look at the situation that we're at now, at, like there are so many times I look at where I am and where I've been able to build my life with Lorinda and I'm like, holy crap. Like, like I'd count my blessings and I wonder if I just lucked out super, super good on that. Cause it's really the way that I can't explain it. It's just, I'm grateful for where I am, yeah. but uh, what happened is just exposing myself to new ideas and um, wanting to make my own life more sustainable, low energy and a word maybe it was really like a deep down just a desire to go back to things that were a bit simpler because i've been finding that over time with the focus on the blacksmithing and stuff is that um i really enjoy the simplicity of it the work of it with the programming and stuff there was writing thousands of lines of code to get these outcomes to happen on a computer and there is like there's an end product to that labor, but it's all digital and you can't really, it's not tangible. Hmm. And I found with the blacksmithing and working with my hands that there's a real satisfaction there to, uh, to creating stuff by hand and then having a physical product at the end of it that I know is going to last a long time. Yeah. And uh, again, is I think what I was really trying to do is kind of hedge my bets. And we can, we'll get into this later too, when we get into the topic of uh, the census, but it's um, basically like, I figured that our future is gonna be a lower energy future. Um, and I, I honestly, I wanted to prepare for that in my own way. Uh-huh. So a blacksmithing by hand, minimal, uh, minimal reliance on machines trying to get back to basics as much as possible while still being productive to the extent that people are willing to to support yeah. that business so, yeah yeah so i'm asking another question here and this is this is not a facetious question um yeah um and i'm 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 uh, i've got some ideas too but like why not go back to like the stone age in terms of like flints and you know, like leather, like why, why metalworking? Is there, was there some, uh, you know, you're talking about hedge, hedging your bets and kind of low energy future. What, what was the rationale or the thought process behind stopping, you know, somewhere? Where I did. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. When, like, when, I guess in my, forgive my ignorance of history. When, when, when was the iron age? That would have been what, like uh, 2000 years ago, two and a half thousand years ago or something like that. I, I, I just clear. I can't say with a certainty. For, forgive my my crudeness, but I'm pretty sure Jesus was stabbed with an iron spear. So that's why. <laughs> that's that's why I'm. I, yeah, iron. I'm I'm pretty firm on the two thousand years ago. <laughs> well, iron, yeah, Iron Age definitely was around I, in the time of the Romans, like bronze switching to iron. Yeah. The. Uh, It's a good question. I'm not sure that I consciously thought about that, about why not go all the way back to the Stone Age. Maybe because I wanted it to actually be um, 
like possible to run as a modern business. <laughs> I don't know, like I don't know if I could do flint napping and that's forging true. with stone yeah, yeah. Like, and that's be able to make a living at it. That's, but that's, uh, that's, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was well because I'd had experience with the blacksmithing and it really appealed to me. And again, going to that permaculture class and seeing how these two could be interwoven, I think was a big factor in that. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of machinery, I have been debating uh, picking up a small power hammer, like a 25 pound to help uh, improve efficiency with work. And also because I'm getting older and I'm starting to feel it in my arm. Yeah, That's a common, so the body is, can't last forever and it, it will fail if it's abused. So yeah. there's, I mean, power is here electricity is here why not make use of it while it's around kind of thing yeah but uh there's i mean there's elements too of what i do that date back to like pre-modern times like we're talking maybe 15th 16th century japan with like charcoal making using a charcoal forge with the box bellows doing every like doing the knife making and stuff like that by hand mm. like with stones and files yeah, yeah. with no power tools and it's that for me more is uh like more out of a personal interest trying to explore that and getting a feel for what those techniques are like yeah but yeah it's a good question like and the other thing too is i try to avoid modern welding as much as possible too like i i want to learn to do, do forge welding like weld it in the fire do it like the smiths did it back in the what would you say like late 19th and early 20th centuries yeah so yeah Okay, interesting. And so, like, like from a from a business perspective, is like what um, like I, I know you've you've been running a business for several years now. Like, what what percentage of your you know income is coming from you know blacksmithing like this now? So, I don't the um, well, we're basically like one hundred percent of our income comes from the smithing business now. And that does surprise quite a few people to hear that because like, mm -hmm. how is that possible? And something that comes, I've read a lot of books by other blacksmiths who've written on the subject about what the heck does it take to get going in a business with blacksmithing? And most people half jokingly say like, prepare to starve because you're not going to make a lot of money. No. And that's true. We don't, we don't make a ton of cash, but we make enough to get by and we design our lifestyle in such a way that we make that possible. Yeah. Like Lorinda's. Lorinda's dad, my father-in-law, he lives with us. He helps homeschool Hazel yeah. and he helps pay the, like cover the costs and pay the mortgage and stuff. So with going, like going a non-traditional route, um, we're able to afford something that maybe we wouldn't be able to if we had like yeah. gone like what's considered typical in this day and age, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. And, and that was that was a big strategy for me was, you know, staying working with my folks for, for as long as I could, um, just to get ahead. It makes a, it makes yeah. a difference. Um, yeah, I mean like, so, and this is where, uh, like the concept of hedging is like, because I was, you know, born and raised on a farm and, you know, I have rough experience, you know, doing metal work and, and, you know, welding and carpentry, just general stuff. Um, I've like mm. I have a I have a I'm kind of a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Um, but I can definitely see like when I look when I look out at you know some of my friends or colleagues who you know don't have those kind of I guess you can call them like survival skills or like 
you know, like worst case scenario, shit hits the fan skills. Uh, mm-hmm. I can definitely see how uh, I would want to invest heavily in that hedge. Um, but it's funny because like, like, you know, for you, like you started out as a tech programmer and, yeah. and then went into blacksmithing. And like, I've, I started out as like a, the, like the opposite. I started out as a farmer and now I'm moving into the tech space uh, with yeah. you know, the, the cryptocurrency stuff that we're doing. And, um, uh, but I, uh, I don't think, and I was, it took me a long time to kind of get my head around to the, the tech space. And I, I don't think I would have, have been as interested in it if I didn't feel like I had a grasp on kind of all the other basics leading up to that, um, that point for myself, yeah. just because I, I also have some concerns about, you know, this, the state of the world and, and, um, and where things are heading. And so, yeah, I, the, it's, it's interesting that, um, I mean, I guess for yourself, like you're talking about moving to more, um, more, you know, advanced technological stuff in terms of like, you know, the, the trip hammers and, and, um, and stuff like that. Is, is that, is that solely out of a need because you're getting older and your, your body's wearing out, or is it also just like, like, like in your mind, is it just like, you know what, worst case scenario, I know how to do it the hard way. And so Mm. I've got that down pat. And so I'm not, I'm not opposed to, to using technology. Is that yeah, I think you're right. That's it. Yeah. Kind of was. Uh, I don't know if it was sort of a self-imposed limitation, like basically acquiring the skills so that I could do this without any power. Like basically, I, all I need is access to wood and an anvil and a hammer, and I can make things. I can start to make things, right? Yeah. But then, if we complement that knowledge with uh, power tools like a power hammer and other in like other tools that speed up the job, then um, I'm not opposed to doing that out of principle. Yeah. Um, Lorinda though, like my wife who's been helping me out, I've been training her to do blacksmithing as well from with no background whatsoever. And she takes on the role of the striker as well. So in terms of hammering more efficiently or saving my arm, that kind of thing, there is there's other options available other than using machinery but in terms of uh like trying to work on our homestead and getting that established yeah once i want learn to be able to focus on the things that she wants to do like raising goats and learning to drive her horse and that kind of thing yeah so that she's not in the garage with me swinging a sledgehammer for six or seven hours a day you know yeah yeah. yeah. So, so what you're saying is you need Hazel to grow up faster. <laughs> yeah. Totally. She's almost getting to that age now where she can help, but yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's, yeah, funny. it's when you think about like the, like the blacksmith's apprentice, it was always like a, you know, 14, 15 year old kid or whatever. Right. That was, uh, there, they probably would have been the striker. Um, yeah. That, that would have been the substitute for the power hammer. Yeah. Um, that would have been the start for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, no, that's, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's been my approach too. And, and like, like with, with everything that I've tried to do on my farm is um, I, I try to design things so that they would function without modern day technology, 
but mm -hmm. they benefit from them. Exactly. And so like, like versus a lot of almost everything we have today, like if there's a solar flare, if there's, you know, shortages of, you know, like we're, we're working on a project in BC and like, there's all, like you can't get, you know, electrical receptacles or breakers or, you know, um, like uh, microchips or things like that. Like, mm -hmm. and it's like shutting everything down. And, um, and, and so, I mean, just like from a, from a personal, you know, security standpoint and, and wanting to have, you know, an insurance in that, in that regard, um, I have been also consciously designed my life, like I said, so that, you know, I can basically provide my food, water, shelter, and energy with, with nothing more than, you know, uh, hand tools, which I can either make myself or, um, or I already have and would last several lifetimes. Uh, it's like, if, if you've got that nailed down, then by all means, like then branch into the, um, you know, into the more technological spaces. But I, I, um, I'm just from a, like, again, I, it's hard to compare myself to, to other people, but um, that's been a conscious process in my life. Like, you know, I've, I've tried, um, like, it's like, once you, once you grow a garden only with hand tools and you know, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't mind, I don't mind using a rototiller um, because I know that I can, you know, worst case scenario, I know how to save my own seeds and I know how to, you know, do stuff like that. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of strategy and, but it's also one that not everybody can, can get involved in um mm -hmm. and so i think there's there's definitely you know a, a, like i'm not saying this is this is the strategy everybody should follow um but i think it's an it's an important strategy for like if you feel a calling to do this there is a tremendous value and i mean i'm just saying like now that that you know things are you know the 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 stability has, of, of our of our you know food energy water and shelter systems are starting to show their their wear and yeah. i'm just amazed at the the number of people who are reaching out now wanting to get the like the basic level of like can i feed myself can i provide my own housing and like water and um and basic energy needs mm -hmm. just in case and yeah. um and so yeah i i think there's there's um there's a, a, a great demand for that. And <clears throat> I mean, and, and as long as you love it uh, and, and you're enjoying it, like it's, it's definitely, a, uh, it's not for everybody, but you know, it's, 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 it's a lifestyle choice, but you, you can play it anywhere. Like I, like I know people who, who literally live without power and, 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 um, and do everything with horses and stuff. And it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of that yourself. Um, trying to. Yeah, and that's and that's one end of the that's one of the spectrum. I think, and it's it's great that some people are are kind of hedging that. Like, I just I think about the 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 value that those people would have in a in a you know kind of disturbance type scenario. The having enough of those people kind of seated around the yeah the the world would be incredibly valuable for the rest of us to be able to lean on those folks who have that that skill set and and i i certainly don't have it 
you know, as, as, as deeper as, as back as, uh, or at least not in all the, the spaces that, that you do, but, um, yeah, there, there's, there's something, I mean, obviously I, I'm sure you're in the same place. I don't want the, I don't want you to hit the fan. I like being able to talk to somebody, you know, thousands of miles away via mm-hmm. a computer screen. Um, yeah. but I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket. That's right. I think, uh, the other thing too, with the personally experiencing, like in your case and mine, doing these things without the need for power, learning and understanding how that feels and getting like a really like a deep down feeling that I'm okay, like I'll be okay yeah. without these things. And I think a lot of people feel a sense of panic right now because they've never been, they may never have been exposed to those situations, yeah. right? So yeah. it, it definitely, it, um, instills a certain kind of mindset in people and this like this something that people could do is take up a hobby or an old world skill like something that doesn't rely on power and just just for the sake of experimentation and confidence it's like hey you know what i can do something that doesn't require modern technology and that's pretty cool yeah you know like even something like baking bread or brewing beer like that kind of stuff right exactly and and so like and that's exactly what when when people I've been doing a lot of, you know, online consulting now with folks who are basically people from the city realizing that that's the last place you, <laughs> you want to be with the way things are going. And, yeah. uh, and so they're, you know, trying to, you know, uh, you know, get out before um, well, the going's good kind of a thing. And, yeah. um, and that's what I, I tell people to start with is like, don't, like, don't start with like trying to learn how to grow your own food and raise your own animals. Like start with, like the, the present, the, you know, buy, buy food, buy, um, like, you know, find local farmers, get your vegetables, get your meat from them and start with like the, the basic preparation, the smoking, the curing, the fermenting, um, like mm-hmm. those, uh, and whether it's, you know, grains or vegetables or, or meats or cheese, um, like that's, that's kind of, um, uh, that's a skill set that's much easier to get into than all other infrastructure of, you know, growing a garden or raising livestock or, you know, trying to grow grain or anything like that. Um, but, but there's, there's already, in, there's already lots of people who are, who are doing that pretty well, mm-hmm. but there's very few people that know how to preserve it without electricity. And mm-hmm. like, I'm, and I'm not lying. Like I, I have enough salt <laughs> to last me and my family for decades. Um, and that's all, <laughs> that's all I need. I, I, nice. we, have, we have root cellars and and fermentation and and for yeah. fermentation all i need is salt and with that i can basically you know make my my cheeses and my meats and my fermented vegetables like you know sauerkraut or you know kimchi or fermented pickles or, or whatever it is and that's it like I, I've, yeah. I've got i've got my you know glass jars and like and that's my hedge but the thing is it's something that i want to do anyways whether i was concerned exactly. because the, the tastes so amazing and it's so much fun yeah. Um, and this is kind of one of the things that we want to talk about is like, what are like, um, and, and so I, I've, I've, I've got my own reason, but like you, you just mentioned this idea of like, like start a hobby, like most people, you know, are, are looking for hobbies or something like that. And so I, I like your idea of, you know, having like a functional hobby, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, hunting or basket making or, you know, sewing or felting or, yeah. you know, curing curing meats, making cheese, uh, all these are blacksmithing or garden. Like those are all hobbies that, that 
you know, people, a lot of people do just for fun, but like it's, there's, there's a lot of recreational value in it, but, it, but it's also an incredible hedge to have that makes you valuable for the rest of your community. Um, I guess, like, yeah. are, are there, are there any other aspects that you can think of for, for reasons why we'd want to, you know, go into the past to learn some of these skills and, and continue practicing some of these skills in today's day and age beyond recreation. There was a, what you, when you were talking about um, people who are contacting you looking like I need advice, help me. And yeah. it's almost that panicked feeling. Like I need to get yeah. from here to point A to point Z like right now, but it's like, no, 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 just, take one step and see how that goes first yeah it's, you, you should have started um, I, 20 years ago <laughs> exactly but, but, but there's, like, there's, there's still stuff you can do but like, exactly if, if you're not careful you you will bite off more than you can chew and you'll you'll do more harm than than good um, or just be completely overwhelmed by it too right yeah exactly exactly but when i started out like that transition from tech to smithing it was, it was motivated out of fear. I was scared. I was that city guy who's like, oh my God, I need to get my life in order. Mm. And so the, the motivation at first was fear, but then I got involved with the sustainable uh, cooperative in Winnipeg that had gardens. And I started learning how to garden with these people, the people who had been gardening for years and years. Mm. And um, yeah, like that was the start. And the blacksmithing, for example, as a hobby, it was just something I did in my free time. And what I found over time is that the motivation moved from fear to like pleasure, actually enjoying these things. Yeah. And I'm not saying that everyone is going to enjoy like old school skills, like sewing or whatever, or blacksmithing, but I'm there's something, there's gotta be something out there that somebody would like to do. That's, that's from based on a skill that basically is, you could say like pre-electricity, because when electricity became really common, I feel that that was like such a massive pivotal shift, I think, for the world. Yeah. Well, for the world that, that has access to cheap and easy electricity. But um, I can't remember, what were you asking? <laughs> well, I was just like, like what, what, just other, what other, like, if, you're, if somebody's coming to you like, like, like yeah, this is like, why? why? Why would I want to get interested in this? Like what, mm. what, um, you know, sell me on taking up a, a skill that, you know, my great grandparents had, why would I want to do that? Mm. Well, beyond, um, actually finding it interesting and wanting to pursue it just because it's something that's pleasurable and enjoyable. Like some of like one of the main values that come from the past is like thriftiness, like being able to maximize everything you can get out of a resource that you have. And whether that's mending clothes or repairing tools and like all that kind of stuff, that, that mentality will help us a lot, I feel, in, a, in dealing with if there's any crises in the future, because yeah. we'll have those skills or we'll know somebody that has those skills to help us out. Yeah, that's one big thing. And um, I don't know, it's just the other thing too, I'd say is that uh investing in yourself in a, a skill like that that can be it's like a hedge well it has value it's a form it's investing in yourself it's a form of capital right like you'd said and if enough people have these skills and are available and let them let others know that they have these skills and i think it will 
go a long way towards building confidence and also knowing that you'll have something of value to offer people in the future if things should go bad. Yeah. I mean, and like, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, as a kid, like, I, I, I mean, I, I played sports and, and, um, you know, I was, I was in all the high, like my junior high and high school sports teams and things like that. And, uh, yeah. but like, honestly, like when I, when I think back about my childhood, the, the things that I'm most grateful that I, that my parents encouraged me and, and in some cases forced me to, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to do, um, one of them is music. Um, okay. I'm so grateful that, um, that my, my parents, you know, were very, you know, strict in, um, I think I've joked before that that's about like the only thing that I can think of where, um, like compulsion <laughs> and, and <laughs> use of force is warranted against another human being is, is to make them practice to learn music. music. <laughs> <laughs> um, cause they won't, they won't appreciate nice. when, when they're kids, but when they're, when they're older, they sure will. Um, and, but yeah. the, the other thing is, is just all the, like, I, as a kid, I had no concept that when I was following my dad around on the construction site or on the farm or around the shop, you know, watching him weld, like, nobody's ever taught me how to weld. Like, I just, I just watched and like, I'm not a good welder, it, but I can get, I can get stuff to stick together yeah. most of the time. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but it's, it's, it is, it's deeply satisfying to, um, I mean, there, and like the concept of thrift, like there's been, um, I think some of the most, the most status, one of the most satisfying feelings um, that, um, one of the most satisfying things that I've, I've ever experienced is when like there's a need for something like a tool or a, a building or just some, something that hasn't existed before. And you yeah. can just like walk out into your, you know, junk pile, or like we, yeah. if you know the difference between a, a junk pile and a, and a collection is just that it's in a, it's in a row. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so like, I, I can't count how many things that my dad and I've built or the things that we've repaired just by the stuff that we've, we've kept and organized over the years. And it's so rewarding to be able to like, like, oh, like I'll take that. And this thing used to be this. And then we're going to, you know, cut that and weld this and, you know, Put a hole through that and then when you're done with it it's like a super functional thing like it's 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 incredibly rewarding to to be mm -hmm. involved in that in that creative process and um uh <clears throat> and like it's like you said it's it, it is it's a meaningful hobby but it also has has tangible value and yeah. um uh one of the other things that that i learned uh this year myself is uh because i've i spent the last since july basically on site with, with one of the new uh, regeneration projects that we're working on in, in British Columbia, uh, which is you know, multiple properties. There's, there's over 30,000 30, acres that we're working on here, um, mm. doing all from you know, all the design and implementation for, for everything. Uh, but I've been spending a lot more time, you know, I, I used to do like, I had my chores every day and you know, I, was, I was on the farm and I, I was still doing a lot of education and, and consulting and stuff, but I, I had the farm. And every day, you know, I was milking cows, I was feeding pigs, I was lifting buckets and, you know, pouring milk into, into cans and the cream separator. And I was, I was very physical. And like this summer, um, I've never, I've never worked out. I've never lifted weights before. And, um, and this summer I gained probably 10, 10 to 15 pounds and I lost 
like a huge amount of my my conditioning just because I I haven't been like working mm-hmm. on the and I'm still active but I'm I'm just I'm not doing those things that I used to do which it, yep. it's which is mind blowing and so the insight that I had this year <laughs> is like cuz like I was contemplating going to a gym for the first time in my life and you know thank thank god for the the pandemic otherwise I probably would have and I would have got sucked into that culture um but it do you even uh, lift bro was, <laughs> Yeah, protein shakes and and power power thirst. You know, it's so funny, Dakota, because like our positions have basically flipped because when I was working in tech, like computer, I was in front of a computer eight hours a day. Yeah. And I had to work really hard to keep that the extra pounds off. And I was going to the gym and I was doing all that stuff. And then when I quit my computer, my desk job and started doing the blacksmithing and working on the homestead with the family here, I don't like, doesn't even enter my mind anymore. Yeah, you, you don't. And it, the weight just stays off. Totally. And so that this, this is my, like, this is probably, I think one of the best reasons to get into these like pre-electricity skills is mm. it's, it's way cheaper than a gym membership. Yeah. Um, and, and if you do it right, you turn it into a business. Yeah. And so like, like literally like I've, I can't wait um, to like, I, I, we're, we're working on developing like a farm out here on the like like kind of bringing a lot of the systems that I have on my farm into this farm and I can't wait yep. because um like literally wherever I go for the rest of my life I'm always gonna have like my setup and if folks have seen my YouTube videos where I do my chores like it takes me an hour a day to do my chores and with that like hour a day of, of chores once the system's set up you know I can make 40 to 50 thousand dollars a year off of off of these chores and so it's like mm-hmm. Or I could go to a gym once a day and I could spend, I don't know what a gym, I'm sure it's like a hundred bucks a month, but like, you know, you spend a couple thousand dollars a year in a gym membership, or you do like, and it's, it's funny, my friends who go to the gym and like, they have like the farmer carry and like the bucket toss and like the tire flip and it's, or like, that's like, that's, that's what I do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And like, I've turned it into a business. And so um, that's my, my new, like, uh, my friend Rob uh, Avis, he or I guess you know Rob too. He um, uh, yeah. He calls it he calls it farm fit. Um, yeah. And there's like <laughs> I said a CrossFit. Yeah. yeah. You could uh, and but it's it's totally it's totally different uh, to see like 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 the, the this like functional strength and 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 agility and stability and stuff like that and um, but it's mm-hmm. so like it's it's literally like it's cheaper than a gym membership. It's a, it's a functional hobby. Um, it'll, it'll keep you in shape. And if you turn it into a business, like literally for just a couple hours a day, which is what most people are spending at a gym, um, yep. you can get all the same benefits and, and everything else. And it's a hedge. Um, and you'll, you might survive the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or at least you can outrun the zombies. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny when I used to, um, when I used to sell, uh, I never actually got the sign made up, but I wanted to, because the, the, I used to have my, my tool booth set up and I had some pretty, like, I literally had like machetes and bill hooks and, and, um, you know, uh, you know, Woodman's pals and, and sickles and things like that. And, and everybody couldn't figure out if I was selling gardening tools or weapons. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's, and so if, if I ever go back into it, I'm going to get a sign that that'll, it'd be like gardening tools and I'll scratch that out and just say like apocalypse tool. 
apocalypse happened. <laughs> and uh, I think I'd probably sell a lot more of them now than, than I did. When Just in case. Yeah, exactly. Um, so but on, on that topic, I'm curious to hear what your answer is this. <clears throat> okay, so imagine this scenario. The, mm. uh, the zombies or the Russians <laughs> or, or the AI robots or whatever it is, they're coming and you've got, you've got just enough time to grab one tool before you <laughs> run out to the bush. What's, what's the tool? What's the tool that you grab? I mean, of course, you're bringing your family. It's not like Lorinda or the axe. It's like they're coming with you. Um, <laughs> what's what's the what's the one tool you would grab oh man that's a good question i think i would if it's running out into the woods like needing survival it would be uh i think the hori hori which is funny because it was um, a sidearm for the japanese peasants back when weapons were illegal for them to carry yeah, yeah. but it's also a tool for digging out vegetables oh. and for harvesting so something like that, sharp, pointy, stab them in the stab them in the neck, I guess. And then run and dig up some veggies. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking the first thing that actually that came to mind too was uh, the broad fork, which is kind okay. of it's got the crossbar and like the multiple tines sticking down. Yeah. If you held it, you held it by the handles in front of you, and you just run. You charge with the points in front of you. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a pike, yeah. Pretty hefty though. Yeah. <clears throat> what would you pick? Um I I for whatever reason I think it's an axe, um, is what I would grab. And for yeah. for, for the only reason, and I can't remember where this story came from. I think it was like it was somebody in my family or somebody in my in like the area. Um, but it was like um, you know, they they were they were settlers in our area. <laughs> Can't remember if, I'm not sure if it's my family or somewhere else who heard this, but basically there was this family of settlers and they, they came over here with basically like nothing. They hardly had, um, you know, basically like their bare hands and, and you know, a few things. And, yeah. um, and they, they essentially worked like an entire summer, an entire winter. And then like when the spring came back, they, they had like earned enough money in like, you know, doing trades and stuff like that to save up just enough money to buy one tool. And wow. I think the, the, uh, the, the father walked, you know, like two days and two nights to get to like the nearest like trading post and he bought an yeah. app and like, and then brought it back. And like, that was like, you know, that was the technology. So I don't know, that's, that's kind of anchored in my mind. There you go. Um, uh, if, 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 but if we're not, if, if we're not uh, stuck to, uh, you know, Pre, I guess this this would be considered pre-electrical weapons uh, or electrical. Mm -hmm. It'd be a, a, a firearm. I think it'd be like probably a, like a like a two twenty three or something would be in a pocket full of shells. <laughs> that would be. Uh, mm -hmm. I can't imagine how how useful if you uh, like if if you've got that and you can make a fire and and. Um, you know, you can at least keep yourself fed and and uh, stuff like that. But I don't. I I, don't, I honestly don't think about stuff like that. It's um, all that often. Yeah. More just for for fun. There's um, yeah. But there's a 
you know, there's black powder clubs all over the place too. So there's people out there with the knowledge on how to make that stuff, right? Yeah. Like hand, like hand pack the shells and all that stuff. And yeah. I, I don't know how common gunsmithing is, but I, there are a few people out there who are like that serious about it, that they know can forge a gun. Make like a that's bird. crazy. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's next level. Yeah. Yeah. It is next level. Yeah. Interesting. But it, it's just, it's that thing again, where the people, they take an interest or a passion that they have. And if it's a useful skill, they can potentially turn it into a business yeah. or at the very least, it's just something that they enjoy doing. And again, it's gaining that confidence from being able to make, knowing that you can make something that's of value, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's um, like the, the art of production is is such a fundamental need for humans. Mm. Um, like it, in the same way that like chickens have to scratch and pigs have to root around and cows have to graze grass and horses have to run and like, like and cats have to, you know, play with, you know, balls. Like humans have to make stuff. Yeah. And, and I, I think we, we go crazy when we don't. And, um, and, you know, there's so many of those like, you know, quote, bullshit jobs out there where people literally, they know on a, on a subconscious level that the work that they do adds no value to society. Like, the, like they, their job could just disappear and it wouldn't make any difference. Yeah. And, and I think that, I'm sure that that causes, I, I can't imagine personally, but I, I can only assume that that would cause so much, you know, cognitive dissonance and, and, a, and a lack of self-esteem and a lack of meaning and purpose in your life yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, like really from a, from a, uh, kind of a, a, a mental health aspect also, I think there's, there's a huge need to, to just be able to produce something of, yeah. of value that you can, you can trade with other people. I think that that is literally yeah. a primary need that, that humans have. And, and, um, very few people, you know, talk about that, um, that desire for um for production and, and that there are other ways to achieve that that production if, if you are you know working in the field of ideas or um you know like he doesn't have to be blacksmithing but no if you, if you work you know in, a, in an office job and you are uh, like you know like david graber wrote a book called bullshit jobs and it was like 70 percent of the the work in like western society the, the jobs are they, they could all disappear tomorrow and nobody would notice anything yeah. um and which is funny because I, I think I've talked about this in the podcast before, but it's, it's a really important idea that I've heard him touch. He, he just passed away. I think it was last year. Um, but one of the talks I heard him give was super insightful. He was talking about the, the, the psychological damage that these bullshit jobs have on people. Um, and the, the first is because they, they know they're not producing anything of value and, um, and they know that they're, um, like they're not contributing anything back and, and, and things like that, but, but that, that everybody gets that, but there's, there's a second, um, kind of really, uh, just sick, almost, almost, um, like in, insidious aspect of, of this whole kind of bullshit jobs concept, which is, which is the, the, our entire culture is based on the idea that 
like trying to trying to get to the point where you 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 get something for nothing. You know, yeah. so where, where you're making where you're making tons of money and you're just laying on a beach and you're relaxing. And and so like like our our culture has has taught us that like the the American dream or the you know the the ideal lifestyle is to do as close to nothing as possible and and then have as much wealth and abundance as you can get like so like basically our, our yeah. cultures is is it's it's focused on the stuff and not the not the production of the stuff and so the, these, these right. people who live in these bullshit jobs um this this david, guy david graber um basically says it it causes a huge amount of of psychological damage and emotional damage because they they know that what they're doing isn't productive but they feel like they should be happy and they're not. Yeah. And so it, it, it causes this extra thing where like, you can't talk about it because while I have like, you know, you're looking around, every, like everybody says I should be happy. What's wrong with me? Yeah. And it's, 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 it's like a, just a, um, a mind work to, to get into that space. And, and I've, I've, I know people who, um, you know, are, are some kind of subconsciously struggling with that, with that battle. And, um, and so the, like the solution is like we've been talking about is to just say, piss on what society says you want, you know, go out and do something, go out and make something, learn a skill yes. and just feel the, the excitement and the, the confidence and the, the, the self-esteem that comes with the ability to, um, uh, you know, make something from, from nothing or, or, you know, take other things yeah. that people have made and, and combine them into something. It's, it's incredibly meaningful. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Gaining, basically gaining competence, knowing that you are competent at something. Mm-hmm. And I think too, in the process of practicing whatever skill or hobby or trade mm-hmm. practice you want to call it, it's, I think it can create space for people to start thinking for themselves and start getting away from what society is telling you or telling these people is like, this is what you need to be happy. But in the process of practicing those skills, like I was saying, it's like maybe that creates a little bit of space in their minds to start thinking like, what do I actually want from life? Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting when you, you said that it reminded me of, of one of my favorite quotes from Bill Mollison. And uh, it's uh, it goes like this. He said um, the the fundamental problem with all revolutions is that they print more words and bullets than they do food and shelter. And they're fundamentally um, uh, reliant on the system they're trying to destroy. Mm. And so it's, it's like, like on, on, like coming back to this, what you're saying is like, it's, you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you. Like, like people who have no skills and literally are dependent, like they've got a, a bullshit job that they, you know, on a subconscious level know that if it went away, nobody would miss it. Like yeah. the, the, the level of, of threat that you would perceive on a, on a, on a conscious level of sub sorry, a subconscious level, it would be enormous. Um, yeah. and, but, but even more so is like, then because you know that you are dependent upon the system and dependent on other people who actually do produce things, it, it turns you into like a parasite kind of where, where you, you, you almost become um, part of the system in, in the, the aspects of it, of it, um, like it, it kind of becomes like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, 
these these people can't let the system die and we can't like we're stuck in this this you know fiat currency bureaucratic nightmare everybody knows it's bullshit everybody knows there's corruption but everybody's like well it's not that bad and me you know maybe do we just need to four more years and we'll, well once we can vote in you know mr x it'll solve all. it's like you don't believe that for a second but you know that if 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 you rock the boat too much and, and like we get into a revolutionary stage you're screwed and yeah. so these people are literally kind of enforcing the system because they're dependent on the system yeah um and so and, this, and yeah. the system gets people dependent on it too like that's yeah. all part of a, a vicious cycle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, like there's, I, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Like, I feel like that kind of paints a really comprehensive picture of like why, um, because it's not just blacksmithing. Like it's, it's, it's just any, any functional skill, I would say. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. um, and um, you know, whether how far back you want to go is, is, uh, is super useful for a bunch of different reasons. And I, I highly, highly encourage people to, to get into it and just start, start with one. Like you don't have to mm -hmm. master everything. Um, but it, um, yeah, like if basically if, if you take whatever time that you're using to play video games or, or watch Netflix or, and I'm, I'm not saying like There's social media or, or social media or sports, yeah. like, like I'm not saying you shouldn't keep doing those things, but like, like just take a, like a fraction of it, a couple hours a week yeah. and just shift it into some functional thing. Like, and I mean, it's funny, like there's, there's like some of the most popular YouTube videos, like hundreds of millions of views are literally how like, to. you know, like they're how to videos or like watch somebody build a hut in the middle of the rainforest. With like oh yeah. Right. Mentors. Watch people. And it's like the paradox is like, it's so wild. <laughs> people are like getting vicarious, like, uh, self-esteem and and like you know uh, apocalypse insurance by sitting in front of a screen watching a guy you know make his own adobe bricks in the amazon it's like yeah uh, i watched a guy i watched a guy build his own hut once i'm good yeah it's yeah, it's, it's, it's great well and you know what's the exact offset which is just like so crazy is people watching other people watch stuff or play <laughs> video games or yeah that's like, that's a whole other yeah isn't that crazy commentators on commentators on commentators yeah it's 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 the infinite it's the infinite regress uh, yeah like very very soon 90 percent of the energy humanity uses will be to run you know youtube algorithms to help people find videos of people who help who find videos <laughs> find. <on YouTube>. Like, <laughs> it's like yeah the yeah. russian ball uh oh, that's so crazy yeah Okay, so I'm I'm really curious. You you mentioned this concept of dissensus, and I have never heard this yeah. word. And uh, because okay. I am a lifelong learner, I uh, I am very keen to add another uh, um, multi-syllable word Words. to my to my vocabulary. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not exactly certain on. It's not my word. I didn't make this up. It was an idea I came across from a writer. His name is John Michael Greer. He's an American author. He's written a number of books on basically facing decline uh, and basically the limits of energy, what our society is facing, that kind of thing. Yeah. And dissensus basically is the opposite of consensus. So instead of everybody trying to come to a consensus on, we should all pursue do strategy X. 
We should all become blacksmiths. We should all become farmers. It's basically what you and I have been talking about all evening is like, maybe if you like bread baking, you should pursue bread baking. Someone do, someone learn how to do music. Someone learn how to build instruments. And then we're talking about hedging bets too. So some people are going to pursue old world skills like me with blacksmithing. Some people are gonna explore um, the interface between cryptocurrency and regenerative farming like you, right? Like it's the idea and it's, I don't know that he intended it, but to me, it seems that it really fits um, one of the permaculture principles or design principles of resilience, where we have, instead of a monoculture of everybody pursuing the same strategy or idea, we have a meadow or a food forest or whatever you want to call it of a bunch of people going their own way, basically. So, and one of the reasons, one of the advantages to that strategy is that it's impossible to predict what's going to happen in the future. But if we have enough people pursuing enough paths, one or, one or more of those paths are going to end up being a benefit to society. And then that can help pave the way for others so that our society is not so brittle and fragile. It actually can respond more effectively to changes that come. And yeah, it's, it's an amazing concept. And I encourage, like I, the last thing I want to do is to try and get everybody to do the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. So that, that's a really um, interesting idea. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on it. Um, sure. From a, but, but like I, so I, I, everything you said, I agree with, but there was, there was one part in it that um, the, the way you phrased it was um, like the, 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 basically the, and, and this wasn't your only justification for it, but it's, this is an interesting, um, it, it's an interesting lens into kind of like this, the subtleties of, of ways of looking at things. And so I want to explore this with you. Um, mm -hmm. the, the way you phrased it was, um, like following this practice of dissensus, which is basically a bunch of different people kind of pursuing their own self-interest and, 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 you know, focusing on different, um, you know, skills, um, mm -hmm. was, was the, the kind of the justification for that was that it benefits society in the event of some kind of a, uh, disaster or, because like you said, like, you know, we, we can never predict what the future is going to be like. And so, you know, having a society where people are, um, and, and you didn't use this word, but, um, like, like you didn't say people are free to kind of do whatever they want. Um, and, and, and the benefit of it, but the, and so I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that you would, you were saying these ideas, but one of the things that really concerns, one of the things that really concerns me about the, the future that we're moving into is, um, is, is this idea of kind of consensus, but from a, like you, it's more like compulsion. Like, no, no, like these problems are so big. They're so vast. We all have to agree. This is the way, um, mm. you know what I mean? And yeah. And so like, like, so I agree with you that dissensus as a, as a strategy makes a ton of sense, but the, the, yeah. re, the reason why dissensus should be allowed or, or it should be encouraged by society isn't because society will benefit from, benefit from it. 
it's because it's the only moral kind of society you can live in. Mm. Um, and it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a subtle difference, but it's, and um, I, I don't know what you're, uh, one of the things that I've, I've been doing a ton of research in is like studying, um, actually, the, the, I want to change my answer. Uh, to, to, the, to my, like, if the zombies are coming, the apocalypse is not, you know, Terminator is, is stomping towards my house. And oh. I've, got, I've got one thing that I can, um, that I can take with me. Um, uh, and it'd be hard to pick one. So I'll, I'll, I'll cheat. And I, I will say, I have a bookshelf that I've, I've got hundreds of hundreds of different books. Um, but I would take everything that Ayn Rand ever wrote. Um, huh. so Ayn Rand is a philosopher most people hate her guts <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I've not actually read any of her stuff personally okay yeah so m- most people haven't there's been more people who've read things about what people who've, who, who, who say they know what Ayn Rand said than what Ayn Rand actually said <laughs> yeah. there's been way more commentators of, of oh, Rand. Sure. and so anyways but if you actually read what she was what she's saying it's brilliant um, mm-hmm. and, and it basically, it comes down to this, this, this concept, um, like some of, one of her core principles is this idea of mutual consent to mutual benefit. Um, and, and, the, um, the idea that like people have to be free to pursue their own self-interest without compulsion or force or, um, violence or fraud from anybody else. Um, but not because that's what's best for society but because that is what is right like that is what is 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 the the moral and the good and it's a it's a subtle difference and most if some people don't you know without spending a lot of time on it wouldn't wouldn't get it um but it uh it's a difference that makes all the the difference in the world particularly as we are heading towards a world of more and more um, kind of collectivism and um, and this authoritarianism. idea of authoritarianism and and all of those systems. If you look back in history, all of the like the worst atrocities in the, in in human human history has always been done for the good of the people, you know, yes. for, the, for future generations, for the you know for the children, for the um, yeah, we're doing this for your own good, for your own good, right? And it's and you know, it's it's always this the ends justify the means kind of a thing, and mm-hmm. so um that, that's the only thing i just i wanted to just touch on just briefly is like this this idea of dissent as a strategy it makes absolute sense but the the i just want to be kind of honing on that idea of it's it it makes sense as a strategy not because it's what's best for society it's because it is the only way to to live in a system that doesn't end up in tyranny because if, okay. if because if, if people are compelled to you know, mm, say, behave one way or the other. Yeah, and, and like, I mean, you look at a lot of these sustainability goals that, you know, the, the UN or, you know, the World Economic Forum and all these places, they all, you read them, they all sound great. And people, would, most people would agree like, yeah, like we need to have clean air. We need to have clean water. It's, it'd be great if people had enough food to eat. It'd be great if people weren't living in poverty. But the, what it, where it comes down to is, is, do you compel people yeah, to achieve like, those goals? Like what if what if somebody says no? Are you yeah. gonna are you gonna force them? Like, is it do the ends yeah. just do does this wonderful omelet that you're gonna make warrant cracking a few eggs? A few eggs. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, that's a that's a good point, Dakota. Um, and I don't I didn't mean 
or want to imply that society is like society mean you all need to be doing different things because society says so no in my opinion society and like culture and all this stuff is an emergent system it emerges from basically from an organic process of people agreeing on basically agreeing on things that work generally right individuals yeah exactly but i that's a really interesting perspective though to look at it from a moral standpoint like allowing people to basically do what they're gonna do and let them be is actually for the good and it's on it like i agree with you because a society otherwise is always compelling people to behave one way or the other right yep and and so what what i what i like about this this what i like about this concept of dissensus is this idea that like like um which i'd I'd never heard before like the the concept of consensus is 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 really is a is an important um Mm -hmm. aspect whenever people are going to like like whatever whenever you have more than more than one person who's who's entering and like working together there has yeah. to be consensus because otherwise yes. otherwise it's not mutual consent to mutual benefit however yeah um like people have to be free to to do whatever they want so long as it doesn't harm somebody else and mm-hmm. and and part of that is like people have to be free to hurt themselves people have to be free to make mistakes people, people have to be free to, to potentially kill themselves um, but it's, it's such a slippery slope when, again, this, this concept of like consensus and, and, you know, agreement, like it's, it's wrapped up in all these, these, you know, for the good of the people and we all have to agree and we all have to work together and, you know, the greatest good for the greatest number, they all sound so good on the surface level. But when you actually get into the, what happens if I say no, like what happens if I, what happens if the strategy that you're talking about, I don't, I disagree with, are you going to force me to do what you think is right, and and if and if you are, then then you, like you're as long as I'm not hurting anybody, you have no right to 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 use force or or fraud to um, uh, to try to work you know in, progress your agenda, no matter how good yeah. and beneficial it is. Um, yeah. And so it's it's a it's a subtle just, difference, yeah. but if if we if we aren't super clear on this, and this is why I like about this concept of consensus is that it's it is it embodies that principle of of, of individualism and um, and the the right to disagree so long as you're not harming some anybody else and and the the benefit that yeah. it has. But I just wanted to the, the thing that I wanted to focus on is that the like the benefits are a bonus. Like even if it didn't benefit society, it, it, it would it, it's it's a it's a it's a it has value in and of itself. It's not a means to an end. Mm-hmm. It is an end. The, the idea that people yeah. have to be free to pursue divergent goals is is a is core to a sustain a sustainable or a um, a stable um, a civilization where people aren't you know devolving into either tyranny or tribalism or um some other form of of a force or fraud mm-hmm. yeah and those are good points that's the uh all the points you brought up they are they're so like in my face right now basically like it's it made it's making me think like think twice like and it feels like every 10 years it's kind of like this big transition but now I think because generally it's almost like it's it's planned. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> done well enough yeah that's weird eh yeah. Huh. 10 years on the dot every yeah but so, <laughs> yeah it's just it's got me thinking it's like if i disagree what's what are you gonna like, do what what am i gonna do and the options are pretty yeah. pretty narrow there's actually so in crest in this area there's a homesteader support group that started up and basically their objective is to start creating a parallel society. Okay, yeah. So the one that exists. Yeah. Because there's like what other what other options are there if you disagree? If you and if you disagree with the way things have been going on like with government, like the, the way yeah. it, it's all set up now, it's like where what are your options? So yeah, people are looking for ways to adapt yeah. to that and find a way around it. Yeah. And, and so that, that's, that's the, the piece that I, I want to stress is like, I think this, so this strategy of dissensus is a really good one. This, and like this, this, the idea of your, um, you know, the, what did you call it? The homesteader support group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, those are, those are, those are super valuable and they're super important. But what I, um, what I've been noticing, you know, as, as I've been doing more research into, you know, Rand and her philosophy and, and, trying to get down into like, what is, what is the right thing? Like, 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 how do you, how, how do we tell what's right from wrong? Um, is it just mm-hmm. this subjective thing that, um, that kind of depends on where you are and what time, or, or is there, is there like a, um, an absolute that, that, that no matter what, and like, no matter what scenario you can throw at it, there's something at the core that you can use to, to, to say, this is right. This is wrong. And, and I believe that that principle is this idea of, of like the principle of non-aggression or mutual consent to mutual benefit is, is so important. And, and so but why I'm bringing this up again is um, what I've seen in a lot of these like homesteader groups and, um, and like the, the preppers and things like that is, is like, well, we'll just agree to disagree and like you can have your system and we'll have ours and we'll just kind of see. Mm. And, and what I think is really important is, is to make a value judgment. Like wh- what is happening in the world right now is wrong. It, it, is, it is evil from the perspective of it is, it is, it is causing suffering um, and, and, and it is done intentionally. Like it's, it, is, it is intentional malice. Um, and, and what's even, what's even more of a, of a mind warp is that it's done, <laughs> it's done under the guise of it's for your own good. Like it's this weird, like yes. sadomasochistic relationship that, that has developed between government and its people. And so it is, super, it is it's super critical. Yes, we have to, we have to separate, we have to build parallel societies, um, be, because the current system is, is literally crumbling under our feet. But as we're doing that, it is, I feel it is imperative that we look back at, at the old society and we say that is wrong and it's wrong for this reason. And it's wrong because that society, the, the way that, that that system was, was developing was devolving into compulsion and force and, um, and, you know, under the, always under the guise of for the common good, for grandma, for, uh, for the future, whatever it is, um, but no matter how beautiful the, the the vision, if it comes at the point of a gun or the threat of your banks being seized or 
your children being taken yeah. away or whatever stuff that they're going to throw. It's, it's wrong. Even if, and so this is, let, let's just, we're talking about the, you know, the vaccine and all this stuff. And, and this is the point mm-hmm. that I, I am adamant about is even if the vaccine was safe and effective, if it was 100% conclusive, it was safe and effective. If somebody said no to it, and, and there was there was guaranteed like here's the science there's no person has ever gotten sick there's zero adverse there's nothing if somebody said no to the vaccine nobody would have a, a right to force that person to take it because yes. pe- people have to be free to hurt themselves they're not free to hurt other people but again this is where if the vaccine is safe and effective everybody else who's taken it is protected yeah and end of end of story um, and, and so the, um, this, this is in my mind, and I, I believe this is being done intentionally by, um, by the, the, the bureaucrats who realize that their bullshit jobs add zero value to anything. And that the only way that they can perpetuate their parasitical existence is to create, you know, these Hegelian dialectics of problem reaction solutions so that they can justify their own existence and their increasing salaries and more of their buddies to get into the game. They have to there, have yeah. they have to have a boogeyman that they that they say oh if we weren't around thank goodness you guys would be in so much trouble so much trouble so thank yeah. goodness we're here um, and so people need to understand why that's wrong like and it's funny like there's so many people that that are spending time researching all these different conspiracy theories and I've got one of my first podcasts was about the conspiracy th- I've done I've done several on them um, and I'm not saying don't research into them but there's, there's one thing you need to know about this entire pandemic and the lockdowns and the masks and all this stuff is one thing. And, and that is it, it is, it is immoral to initiate force against another individual. It is immoral to, to use force or fraud against somebody else to, to compel them to, to see the world your way. Now, what's, mm. what's the fine line here is that the governments are imposing this on private businesses who have private property and that's where it gets a little messy, um, because because if you own pro- if you own property, like property rights come from individual rights, and and so if you own your life, you own the products of your labor, and and that's where property rights are an extension of of, of your individual rights, and mm-hmm. so and 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 those individual rights have to come with the 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 concept of of the right to refuse, because if you don't own it. Like if, if if you own it, you you have to be able to to own no. to, to say no and 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 to say how whatever your property will be used, mm. and so and this is the this is the fine line is that it, it is immoral, it is wrong for the government to say on on like public property or to to force businesses to you know invoke you know vaccine or mask mandates or whatever it is it's it's immoral for the government to do it. But if a private business posts a sign and says, you must wear masks to enter our business, or you have to have a vaccine pass, you know, to enter a business, then it's different. And it shifts because now it's on private, it's on private property. Now, of course, they they should be able to do what they want to do on their own property, right? They they have to be, because again, as long as it doesn't cause harm to others, as long as it doesn't cause harm to others. And, but, but this is, this is where like, Again, it gets messy because the government is is compelling the businesses under force of threat, and so that's that's yes. where it's tricky. 
but yeah, like it, it's it's a really messy thing, and and um, and so, um, anyways, I, I don't want to devolve into a, a philosophical discussion here. I, I think it's it's really important, but too late for that. <laughs> yeah, um, it, the it, it's it, it only it's, there is one thing. Oh, sorry. There's just one thing I wanted to say about with yeah. what you were saying there about the um, like making value judgments, like recognizing that value judgments exist and they're not the same thing as uh, basically stating fact or anything like that. Like they are their own category of of being. Like you can't one person's value judgment is not necessarily like objective fact. Is what I'm saying. So that's that's where I disagree with you. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> so, so, because again, like, like, so, because, because, if it if it's wrong, like, like if, like, at, at what point does the concept of you know mutual consent to mutual benefit or the principle of non-aggression, for what mm-hmm. person would that be allowed? Like, what what aspect of kind of subjective subjectivity or personal preference would it be okay for that particular principle? Um, be you know forgotten um and the and in my my mind the answer is nobody and and so this is where i i really like rand's philosophical approaches because she but you you are right there are certain things that are that are value judgments that are subjective and and they they come down the personal preference and and there's there's no reason to um you know to make things black and white but there are also things i believe that that can be, like I was saying, can be a, a fundamental, absolute, um, there is no, um, like if, 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 if this goes society or if this goes civilization and, and you know, gen, decade era, centuries of, of progression towards this idea would be lost. Um, yeah. There's yeah. a willingness to call evil, evil. Yeah, I think is what you're trying to say. And it, it's funny because it seems like our society or I guess postmodernism, I don't know if that's the right word for it, but our culture has been basically trying to erase all boundaries and values. So it's all relative. Yep. Relative moral, like moral relativism. Yep. Yeah, moral relativism. Yes, absolutely. Yep. I tend personally, like for my own philosophy, I tend to lean more towards that there are things out there that are truly abhorrent and i would call evil yeah and like that i guess are you saying that something like that is an objective truth so it's not necessarily like if you judge an action as being evil is that yes it's no longer or it's a value judgment that also is an objective fact so that right so, or? so this <laughs> uh it's it the, i think i think what you're saying is yeah is is that a fact about reality or mm-hmm. is that our perspective is kind of what you're asking is like like is mm-hmm. like, like from a from an and like atomic like the the nature of the like the the substance of the universe is does this actually matter or uh or yeah is it is it all relative and and so this is where um I really like Rand's perspective on this is because mm-hmm. uh, now, and now there are certain things that I don't agree with Rand and I've talked about them in past podcasts and I'll, I'll mention them here again, because everybody, everybody loves to shit all over Ayn Rand. 
uh, and and uh, without actually without, reading your stuff. without actually reading what she said, they just read blogs yeah. about that. You know, I don't want to get into it, but it's it's um, yes, yeah, no, the, 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 the her 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 argument is um, that these are her her philosophical her philosophical system is called objectivism. Mm-hmm. And and meaning like that there there are um, there there are objective facts about reality um, that that stem into the ethical and you know epistemological and and kind of um, mm, okay. realm that um, and 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 we can in the same way that we can you know look at you know gravity and we can observe patterns that that are like natural forces of the universe you know like like no matter how many times I do this it's never going to go up. And people have been doing this for a long time yeah. and never once has it gone up. <laughs> um, and right. so, of course, unless you, you know, read certain books uh, that, that claim that it happened and, and there's stuff like that, but that's, that's, let's not get into that. That's another podcast. Um, but like, there are mm-hmm. objective facts about, about reality that, that, that we can perceive and, and we can, we can create hypotheses and, and test them and we get repeatable um, events happening. They're, they're predictable. Right. Um, and so she basically takes that same idea in that there are patterns about epistemology or how we come to know things. There, there are facts about ethics, about what is right, what, what, is, what is the uh, um, better and worse ways to live within reality. And, um, and so uh, w- one of those, like that's how she defines ethics is, is basically, um, ethics is, is, is the, the, the study of of better and worse human values as it relates to the nature of reality, and so this concept of, of mutual consent to mutual benefit it's very it's actually pretty simple. Her logic is um, if um, one of her kind of absolutes in that you can observe from from natural systems is is one existence exists. So like, like at, at some level, what, when you get down you to start somewhere, ex- existence exists. Can we just agree yeah. to that? It's crazy. There are some people who think it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, for and, sure. And, and you know, you know what my favorite argument against those people is? What's that? Well, I can't hear you then. <laughs> you don't, you don't exist in my reality. So that's like a, what is yeah. it? Solipsism or whatever. It's like, you're the only, you're the only conscious thinking being yeah. and everyone else is just figments of your imagination or something. Totally. Um, yeah. So it's like existence exists. Um, another one is, is A is A, which is basically the, the law of identity, which is like something cannot be itself and something else at the same time. And I know there's all kinds of, string theory and quantum mechanic experiments that prove that ex- look look into them a little more they're there you'd be amazed at how many different religious and even now scientific things have been trying to break this down and the reason they're breaking it down is so that they can say well you don't exist in my reality mm. you don't exist and therefore i can do whatever you want and they absolve themselves from whatever from i want to use responsibility there's there's a goal behind mm. all of these mystical and and now pseudoscientific agendas it's and it's it's sinister um so existence exists the law of identity a is a um and another one is basically a kind of corollary to that a is a is is um there are no contradictions um and so now i'm going to take that that last one and i'm going to apply it to this concept of 
mutual consent to mutual benefit. And so what right, yes. do you, what right do you have to say, well, I disagree and you can't force me. But then when somebody else says, well, I disagree. And you say, well, you have to. And so if, if like, if you, if you allow, if you force somebody else, what possible argument could you use to say that somebody else can't force you? There's none. You're, you're, you're caught in a contradiction. It's hypocritical. There's, there's no justification for it. Um, and so uh, now she goes deeper into, <clears throat> into like, a, like a metaphysical understanding of how reality works and, and why, you know, basically humans um, have to have the right of freedom and, and individualism are essential aspects of reality. Um, and, and therefore the, the ethics around it is actually an objective fact, but, but that right there is, in my opinion, her best argument is, is it is objective reality because like, would you, essentially it's the golden rule rules, like treat others the way that you'd want to be treated. Um, because, mm -hmm. because what, because what possible right would you have to, to claim an exception to your own rule? Um, and so I see what you're saying. And, and of course that's, that's from a, um, th that also stems into, you know, it's in your own best interest to do that because sure you might force your will on somebody else today, but it'll just open up a scenario where they'll come back at you and you won't have a leg to stand on when you say, no, no, that's wrong. You can't do that. Um, so that there's a there's a practical aspect of it too, but but from sure. a, from a like an objective fact about reality, like what right do you have to to claim a, a contradiction? Um, mm. And so, anyways, it's it's I'm glad you're you are semi interested in this concept. Well, I got I'm gonna have to do some reading on it for sure. Yeah. This is all this is all new to me. I knew about I've heard of objectivism before, but never fully understood. What it was about and i still yeah. don't i would have to do some reading but yeah you know it's interesting when you're talking about maybe this is related to the mutual consent for mutual benefit but um i was reading a book recently by jordan peterson where he was talking about how the relationship between the tyrant and the slave and this yeah. is just in personal relationships mm -hmm. you have tyranny negotiation and slavery and negotiation is hard yeah and it's basically coming to that mutual benefit. Like you're both, both people or both parties are agreeing to something, but if you have the tyrant and the slave relationship, both suffer from that choice because the slave is going to like out of resentment, not do, be the best human they can be. And the tyrant is gonna, is not getting the best from that person, right? The slave that's under working underneath them. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So is, is that from his new book? Uh, yes. What was it called again? Beyond Order, I think. Yeah, Beyond Order. Uh, I, I haven't read his. I, I kind of, I, I petered out on Jordan Peterson. <laughs> no <laughs> pun intended. Um, but, but there's a, there's, I, I, I want to take that thought just yeah. a little bit further is, um, and, and this comes back to why I was stressing, like the people that are, are exiting these society right now to build these parallel societies um, and I've heard, I can't, there's a bunch of other names I've heard for them and which is, which is, it is super important that we do that, that, mm -hmm. um, that we walk away, which is if you cliffhanger, that's what happens in Ayn Rand's book, Atlas Shrugged, <laughs> is basically a certain set of the people, the producers of society, 
they walk away and they build their own parallel society and they left, they let the rest of the world collapse. Um, but there is a critical point, and, and this is what Ayn Rand's entire philosophy and ethics is about, is in order to truly do this, in order for people to walk away from society, they have to have the, the concept of moral authority or they, they have to know that they're right. You can't just feel it. You can't just, um, you know, agree to disagree. You have to, you have to know with absolute certainty that that what you are doing is is ethical. It is moral. It is right. And, and by corollary, what what everybody else is doing is wrong. And so now I want to bring it back to that slave and tyrant thing. Is because what's the best way to control a slave? I don't know. I've never thought about it. <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I, I swear. I swear. I haven't either. This is. I read. I read this. This was. Is not... this a bad joke? <laughs> uh, not quite. No. No. Um, but so the, the the best. So a lot of people think that that's you know that when you think of like a slave, you think of like the whip. Of course. Know? Yeah. The whip. Do what I Violence. do. What I yeah. Do what I say, or I'll hurt you. Yeah. Right. Now the problem with fear is that what happens when the whipper goes to sleep or he, mm. turns, his, or he turns his back or he's got his pants mm. around his ankles or, or, he, or he happens to be out in the woods with 10 or 15 slaves. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so this is where fear is not the best way to control slaves. Guilt is. Hmm. If, if you can convince the slave that they deserve what to they're be, getting to be a slave that they deserve it they'll never fight back they won't they will never fight back and so this is where this this concept of when when we walk away from society we have to be absolutely certain that we are right and and the you know the 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 control system no matter how virtuous it claims to be and no matter how much for the good of the people it is because it is using force and and i would argue fraud based on my own personal but we don't even have to prove the fraud we just have to, like they're they're saying no no our science says this and so therefore you have to do it as soon as as soon as somebody says that yes and then they, they they put threats in or we'll take your money or we'll take your kids or we won't let you go into certain businesses or you will lose you'll lose yeah. your job or whatever it is or you can't get public we're going to impose a separate tax on you any of those things they are they are they are evil. They are, they are absolutely wrong. And, and people have to be able to say that's wrong. Because if we don't, we're never going to be free. And these new parallel societies that we're building are going to have the same seeds of destruction built into them from the, from the get-go. And so this is why, no joke, and I've, I've said this on their podcast, I just remembered it now. It's like, if the zombies are coming, the one thing I'm grabbing is my Ayn Rand bookshelf. Because <laughs> <laughs> the ideas in those books about the metaphysics, like what reality is, epistemology, how we know, how we come to know about reality, um, you know, ethics, uh, politics, um, you know, all of those, all of those different things, they are, that's what we need to build a society so that when people have all these different skills, um, like the blacksmith and the, so that we can build a society that people can engage again in mutual consent and mutual benefit. And we can build ourselves out of this because otherwise, yeah, it's gonna be like, like it's gonna be like the guess who song, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. 
And I, I guarantee you in these parallels. We want it, and we want it to be more like the Rush song, Closer to the Heart. That's right, yeah. Lyrics written, you know, Neil Peart was a huge Ayn Rand fan, right? Oh, what? I did not know that. Oh, yeah. It informed a lot of his lyrics. And I think, listen to that song, Closer to the Heart. I'll have to. And you'd be like, ah, okay. Yeah. I don't think that came to mind when you mentioned that. It's crazy. I think I've only ever listened to Come Sail Away at, uh, <laughs> at, at high school parties is the only. <laughs> um, oh, man. Well, that's good. Those, that's a lot to think about. It's um, learned and I have been struggling about whether to actually get involved with these these groups that are trying to build parallel societies. Yeah. Not sure it's and I mean we've been struggling a lot just dealing emotionally and psychologically with all the stuff that's been going on. Yeah. And feeling like there there are there's so few options in terms of working within the system as it is. Yeah. And it, it seems it's coming to the point where we're just realizing that there's almost nothing we can do. Yeah. No, and, and that's the thing is you, you don't you don't negotiate at the point of a gun. Yeah. You don't. It's it th there's there's no like when when somebody pulls out a gun or or uses force or or fraud or whatever, it there's no more argument. It's 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 just do as I say. And so like at that point you either just follow orders or you you walk away. Walk away. Um, and can. and the thing is like I, I'm not at all um you know advocating uh re revolt or anything like that because the the weapons that that our current military industrial complex has we just love to crush down a uh you know any kind of civil disobedience and that would be that would be the boogeyman that they would use to justify more and more tyrannical systems that's right um, and so the the only way to get out of this is to walk away but that being said, like this is where, um, you know, I I have been I have yet to join any of these parallels. I get I get lots of invites, um, and there's people who are talking about gathering them. But the people who are leading these these systems or the groups themselves are not they're not consistent. They haven't they haven't identified the principles upon you know which the, the, the they're running they're running away from something. They're not running towards something. Right. Um, and, and, and what they're running away from, they, they don't even understand why it's wrong. It's just out of, you know, fear and they, they're bringing all their guilt and, and stuff with them. And it's just riddled with contradictions. And like one of the things that is so funny is, you know, the, the, you know, the, the freedom convoy and the, the pr protests and things like that. Um, it's like, you don't ask for your freedom back. Like do you, the, the, the contradiction wrapped up in that thing. It's like, please, please, please give us our freedom back. It's like, you had no right, like you, they never had it. Like you being there protesting, asking for it back proves that they have it. <laughs> mm. um, like the only, the only solution would be for those truckers to pull out and, and move out and create their own society based on one principle, mutual consent to mutual benefit. Um, and to understand why that principle is is absolutely critical, um, and and I'm I'm not saying like they're they're like I, the people that are engaged in that are are they're, they're good people they're they're not um, then they, they've they've done some incredible things and and they've if anything they've shown um, the, the value that they have shown is is how tyrannical the system is. But mm -hmm. I mean the, the thing the thing with with state propaganda is like people either get it or they don't. And it's, it's like, like, at what point do we just, like, 
I don't know. I, so that, that's where I'm at. It's like, I, I, I personally don't engage in protests. I don't, I don't sign petitions. I don't ask for my freedom back. I don't, I don't participate in, you know, discussions about how much land rights I should have. To me, the whole thing is just absurd. I refuse to engage in it. I won't give it a moment of my time. You, you have no right to, to, to compel me to do what I want. And, and if it, I, now that being said, if somebody tries to, to, to force me to do something, then I will, I will take part. Um, mm -hmm. but until then I'm, I'm building my own parallel society with, within, you know, the, the community that we're developing out here on this project. And, right. um, but a core part of what we're doing is our philosophy and our principles. And, um, and so I guess to kind of bring this full circle is <laughs> it's, it's one thing to have these skills, which is super valuable. And, but like, if, if, if people don't invest in the the philosophy and the the ethics and the like understanding that that like you there, no one has a right to 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 force you to do something against your will no matter how you know what the justification is um mm. unless you get that it won't matter how good you are at homesteading or or what you know, gardening, what way levels? Because eventually, the people at the top, the parasites at the top, they'll come up with some crafty little narrative where it's just like, you know, oh, like you're not against grandmothers, are you? Like if you don't do this, well, your grandmother could. Or what about the children? What about that? What about the polar bears? What about the babies? They'll, they'll keep trying and they'll trying find something and trying until you say, okay, that that you're right. You know what? I I can't say no to that. I I will. You know, I can't rank it was um, one of the founding fathers said those that would sacrifice liberty for security will get none deserve and, and deserve neither. Yeah. And um, and so but to say that and truly mean it, yeah, you it, it takes a ton of of and actually so this is this is going to bring it back even more full circle is <laughs> one of my um, one of my favorite things about physical work is the meditative aspect of it. Mm -hmm. the, the contemplative, like you're, you're doing something, you're in a rhythm, like scything is one of my favorite things. Um, and I'm, I'm either listening to an audiobook or I'm thinking about a problem. Like your, your body is, is kind of busy in something and you're, you're, you're free to, like it's, it's a working, I call it working meditations. Um, and mm -hmm. the, the insights that you have from it. And so the, the, these two things kind of go self-enhanced, hand in hand, because one, you are learning a skill that will allow you to bite the hand that's feeding you. Um, so you won't feel dependent upon it. So you'll actually be able to say no to it with, with conviction mm -hmm. and not just, well, you know, no, and then come scuttling back when the power goes out and, <laughs> um, you know, for your, for, your, for your food stamps or whatever. Um, yeah. And, um, but like, but it'll actually, um, it'll actually help you to, you know, like I said, look, stay in, stay fit, stay healthy, and and provide time to think you know there's there's mm -hmm. um like you don't like i don't know if you about you but like you don't i don't think when i'm watching a movie like your your brains are you're playing like i don't i don't play video games anymore but like like when i'm watching a movie and i, and I still do i'm not saying don't watch movies or or card even mm -hmm. south park's one of my favorite shows um it's one of my <laughs> pleasures um yeah but uh when you're working like you're you're it's a different state of mind and, mm -hmm. um, and it'd be interesting to see like the correlation between like the true, like kind of free thinkers or the, 
um, you know, people who are freedom lovers and, and, and like how much kind of physical activity that, or their like, um, production that they're involved in. And, and like the, again, the self-esteem that comes out of that and the, the, um, the, the feeling of accomplishment and all those different things. And all, like, it's, it's, there's so much value in, in learning these, these, um, just any kind of a, of a production skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, spending the time, like you said, in whether it's a meditative type of process, or I think honestly, just having the time to yourself and some quiet to let your mind start doing some thinking for itself. Yeah. Cause we're constantly bombarded by people's opinions, ideas, media propaganda think this think that do this do that and there's and it seems that there's a increasing push to have this more and more in our lives all the time yeah Yeah. and as part of part of this lifestyle that we're building out here is actually creating some of that open like more of that open space so that gives us the time to identify like what and it's i guess it relates to what we were talking about is what do we actually want our lives to look like yeah. Instead of being told this is what you want your life to look like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, re- it's really interesting. Like that is, <laughs> you've given me so much to think about from this talk. It's pretty crazy. It's because you're, you're right. Like if people are just running away from a system out of basically just a, a reaction out of fear, like I don't want to be any part of this, Yeah. but not giving thought to what is it that we're trying to build. And it's coming either not it's not a reaction to avoid a thing you're acting to create a thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a subtle shift, but it makes all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that's the thing is if if we're saying history repeats itself or or those, you know, those who don't study history are bound to repeat it. And um, yeah, I mean, when I, when I look back at the one thing that gives me hope is when you look back at the last, you know, several thousand years, humanity has becoming more and more free and more and mm-hmm. more individualistic. Um, and in, individualistic in the, in the sense of the, the, from an ethical perspective, not from a, a, a isolated or, a, you know, in, independence kind of level. I, I mean, from a, from a, um, a moral perspective that, that, the, that the individual has a right to, ex- every person has the yes. right to exist in and of themselves. Yes not as as part of the group or collective or tribe that's that's collectivism right and so that's what i mean by by individualism yeah Um, and so we have been slowly moving towards that that toward away from you know that we started out with you know tribalism and then you know there was you know uh, monarchies and you know now there's you know politician like we're slowly moving away from like you know single or or certain groups having control of others to more and more freedom but um and so that gives me hope is that that trend will continue but the thing that like does concern me is that the technology that exists today has the ability to create a dystopian you know control grid um basically 1984 style um tyranny that like the likes of which we can't even imagine um, and so like we, we are, I feel like we're at a precipice where we will either take the next logical step, which is like, it was wrong for the tribe 
to for, to, for us to be sacrificed to the tribe. It was wrong for us to be sacrificed on the altar to God. It was wrong for us to be enslaved to monarchs. It was wrong for us to be, you know, uh, voted into, you know, certain things by our, uh, by the majority. Like if, if, if we're getting, we're getting closer and closer to the truth all the time, but if we don't make the next logical step where it's the individual has, like they, they have a right to exist in and of themselves and the, the, mm-hmm. the use of force to compel somebody to do something against their will is wrong. If, we don't, make wrong. That, if we don't make that logical step, we have, we have the potential for the first time in thousands of years to start declining towards more and more totalitarianism and more and more slavery. Um, for the first time because i we there are now the tools to do this i mean you you read the books like you know 1984 and um you know brave new world where they've got this high level tech and everybody's you know sedated with you know drugs or alcohol and and you know anybody who has a glimmering of what's going on is found out immediately through various um you know, means I'm pretty sure I, you and I are on the top of the government's hit list after this podcast. <laughs> um, but like, if, if we, if we don't, if we don't say no and mean it and know why we're saying no, if we don't get rid of that guilt, they'll always have us. And, and that's their, <clears throat> their biggest control mechanism, it's way more powerful than the, than the whip. Um, is the guilt it's yeah the guilt. yeah i'm seeing that yeah it's interesting it's like our kind of our hopes and concerns are sort of the inverse to one another because like you're right with the, the way technology is developed and where it's at now it's it is very possible for them to basically develop like a, a tech what do you call it like a techno technocratic yeah technocracy authoritarianism or yeah like yeah. that kind of thing but it it's it's my hope actually that depleting energy supplies will make it impossible for them to fully implement that system because <laughs> with the and with the disruptions and supply chains and whatnot, it's basically going to fall apart before they have a chance to fully establish that. And I don't, I don't know. know. I, and then maybe if that if that were to happen, maybe that uh, that continuing trend towards the um, the ultimate value of the individual will that trend will continue who knows perhaps perhaps <laughs> I, I maybe i'm a little more cynical than you i i i tend to think that the the collapse of the supply chains are are being done intentionally to uh i mean just think about it it's like oh you don't have any food oh it's because the truckers they they're refusing to work just mm. just give, give us a bit more power make us force them to do their jobs <laughs> Well, again, it's a, I guess my, uh, maybe where my optimism is, is uh, grounded is in the basic cussedness of people. And they'll always find a way to worm around these systems. Like it's, you can see stories of that in um, the communist regimes and other authoritarian systems. They've, they found ways to get around it, but it's, I mean, that's not the ideal. No, it's, it's not. But, but the thing is, and this is something I learned from Rand is, I don't know if you've read Alexander Solzhenitsyn's The Gulag Archipelago. Bits um, and pieces of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, which, I mean, it's, it's devastating to hear that man's account of, you know, living, I think it was 10 years in, in the, um, the prison camps. Um, yeah. All because he wrote a letter, you know, making some 
offhand comments about the military and he was an officer and they just, oh, you're, you're in prison now and we'll torture you until you confess to all these crimes and we'll, you know, drag your whole family into it and everything else. In 10 years, he was literally a slave, you know, hauling muck out of pens and, and all different things. Um, yeah. But what's, what most people don't know about, and I didn't know until I read Rand, is um, that Solzhenitsyn was a was he was pro communism. You know, he was he was he 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 basically um, there's a letter that he wrote that she um, in one of her essays she um, she basically condemned him um, because he uh, he basically wrote this letter to I think it was it was like a, it was like an open letter to to Moscow or something. And, and in it, he basically says, um, you know, to the government, you know, do whatever you want to everybody else, but for God's sakes, you know, let the arts be free, let the journalists and the, 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 the creatives, like, don't, please don't compel them into, into like, you, you can't censor them because it's, it's wrong. I mean, but yes, we still need the gulag and, and everything uh, else is okay. Everything else is okay. And, and, and so this is the thing like where I was talking like this, it's the most important thing that, that, that people can get out of this is, is yes, a skill and everything like that, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a philosophy. It's, it's the moral authority to, to say, this is wrong. This is why it's wrong. And, and, and this is why we need to create a new society. Um, like one of the, I guess, again, just another thought experiment. Um, assume that, the pro all the protesters, whether it's the Freedom Convoy or anybody who's ever taken part in any rally, anything you've ever seen, all the signs, if every single thing on those signs that you've ever seen, if it was all, if the government said, they looked at all of them and said, yep, we're going to do all this. We're going to grant all your wishes and we're going to move it back. To, what would stop it from happening next year? Two and years from now, 10 years yeah, from now. That's one of the big issues that we're facing. Yeah, the, 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 so what we're seeing right now is not a bug in the system. It's a feature. Mm. This was designed into our political system, whether it was by, you know, by default or by design, whatever it's, but it's, it's a feature. And, and we need, we don't just need to vote somebody else new in or add another right to the charter of rights. And we need a complete revamp of our entire political legal uh, and military systems based on an understanding of, of morality and and why it is it is wrong to to initiate force against somebody else and anything short of that is a failure and so this is and people might think i'm dogmatic about this and i would love i've been trying to get somebody else who uh, other people to come on the podcast to um to have this discussion around for example there's there's talk about you know anarchy versus you know, libertarianism versus subjectivism. Sure. Like there's, what there's, are the other systems? Yeah, what are the other systems alternative to, to you know, unlimited majority rule which or socialism or communism or whatever. Um, yeah. But, uh, and so I, if there's anybody out there who's listening to this who has those that skill set and wants to have a conversation, I would love to have it because I've also looked into all those other systems too. And I feel, um, and I, I would love to be wrong, but I feel like I've I have a pretty good understanding of why this is, um the only system and um uh and, and it, like yeah we we need to be uh we we need to to think at that level but and this is this is kind of like a chicken or an egg thing is is i don't i don't know what needs to come first i don't know if people need to learn some basic skills before they can truly 
you know, adopt this idea of, of kind of objectivism, or if they need to adopt objectivism first and then learn some skills. I, I tend towards to think that it'll be easier for somebody to, to take this kind of pill with, with the, the sugar of some basic skills and, and feeling like you, you have, you can bite the hand that's feeding you. Um, uh, but I also hope that people can do it in tandem because it takes a long time to learn a skill. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if somebody, if somebody can listen to what I'm saying about these, these principles and this, this, this new ethical framework based on individualism, um, it doesn't take very long, five, 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, maybe, maybe read some, you know, 20 or 30 hours of rand and have some discussions and, and debate. But like, how, I guess, how long did it take you to get reasonably good at blacksmithing? I would say that I'm at a level now where I consider myself competent and it's been six years of full-time work. Full-time work. Yeah. We don't yeah. have that. We don't have that much time folks. So, no. okay. That solves that. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, you gotta start reading first. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, I will tell you, I think, I think we just did two hours. Wow. That was a, that was a good chat. It was a good chat. Yeah. That's some interesting, man. It's a, I think that question you had too, about whether to start with the skill or the philosophy, I think you're right. It has to be a tandem thing. Yeah. I think picking a skill, it's, it's a much smaller like bite to chew. Cause when we get into that bigger, the bigger question of walking away from the existing system and creating a new one, that's a, yeah, that's definitely one that's hard to face, but. Although. I'll, I'll, uh, I will raise your practical, uh, I'll see your practical argument and I'll raise you another philosophical argument, uh -oh. which is um, it'll probably be easier to motivate somebody once they stop feeling guilty for being alive. And once they feel like they're only, the only justification for their existence is to, you know, Consume. You know service to others, right? And so- yeah. Um, again, this, depending on where some people, some people have never truly adopted this, this ethic of, of, um, collectivism and altruism, which all, and please don't confuse altruism with kindness to others. This is like literally the definition of altruism means the sacrifice of, um, the self to others. Right. Um, and, and collectivism is the subjugation of the individual to the group. The collective. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not. It's not being kind and donating to charities. It's. It is. It is. You have an obligation to sacrifice to serve others, and that's what okay. makes you, you have a duty. That's what makes you a good person. Is people who who steal from themselves to give from other people. Now there is. This is the concept of enlightened self-interest, which is. It's you should give to charities because that's in your own best interest, because you have no idea what what traumatic experience or, or, you know, terrible fate befell somebody that, that has got them in this position. Um, and, to, and to help one human out of that, that, you know, that mud to onto greatness, you have no idea what that person could create. And so um, like the, the, there is, there is a justification for uh, charity that's based on self-interest. It does, but it's, but when you flip it to, you have to do it and good people have to 
you know, pay their taxes or whatever it is, it, it that's collective. That's a yeah, moral duty, right? Yeah, and 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 that's where it's that's altruism and collectivism. And so, yeah, I guess what what I was saying is is I think, and this was the case for myself because I used to fall into this camp of being an altruist and a collectivist, and um, and self righteousness is uh, usually uh, usually goes hand in hand with those two things. Um, <laughs> And uh, being belligerent or the, the term social justice warrior comes to mind. Um, but once I got over that, uh, I stopped feeling guilty for being alive. And I became really excited about life and learning skills. And, and like, like I'm, uh, I wasn't depressed and angry and pessimistic anymore. I, I actually wanted to learn these things. Um, and so again, it's, it's like a subtle difference. Like, are you, are you running? Are you afraid of the collapse mm. or are you, are, are you, are you being pushed or pulled excited for what's yeah, out yeah. there yeah and, yeah and so it's it's it, it's a subtle difference but I, I i would actually argue that it'll be easier to have these philosophical kind of ethical conversations in your own head or with other people and and to understand like, don't take my word for it push back challenge it try to find a loophole where you can justify why you would be able to hurt somebody else because well if i don't if if I don't hurt them before they hurt, they'll hurt me. You know, the, the terrorists, the, they're, they're, they're plotting against us. And, and that's what the government loves mm -hmm. to do, right? these, these boogeymen. Um, but, boogeymen, um, yeah. but it's, it's a slippery slope. And, um, and, and what you'll see throughout history is the government is always using these, these, what is it? There's a, was it Churchill who said, never let a crisis go to waste. Yeah. It's pretty. Someone, I don't know who it was, but I know the phrase. Yeah, pretty insidious, right? It's like, especially yeah, one that you've created. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <sighs> well, I think is it time to wind it up? I think it's time to wind it up. That was that was a really good chat, and um, uh, I guess in, in closing, um, where can people? go to find out more about uh your zombie apocalypse slash gardening tools and uh <laughs> uh yeah it's, like, what's do you have social media you got a website you've got youtube we've Drum got uh our website is reforgedironworks.com and that's the that's basically it for advertising we stay off social media it's a <laughs> personal choice that we made Good man. We do have a YouTube channel. You can uh, just look for Reforged Ironworks if you want to look up on how-to videos. We got mm -hmm. lots of those. And um, yeah, I just recommend going to the uh, the website. We're gonna have a newsletter going out soon. Sign up for that so you can keep up to date with what we're doing. And otherwise, uh, we post to the blog and just keep at her. Nice. Yeah. Well, Tim, it's been a, an absolute pleasure. And I, I guess I'll, I should also say I, I have, uh, I think just about all of your tools and they're, they're all, it's functional art. Um, and, uh, and they'll be, who knows, maybe they'll be more valuable than cryptocurrency. <laughs> you know, man, I, I, I don't know. The next, I don't know anything about cryptocurrencies. You're yeah, gonna have I don't, to I don't, I'm, I'm just learning myself. So <laughs> um, but it's right it's, another, it's another one of those technologies that has the potential to either free us or enslave us all but the the different the difference will be we down to philosophy it's it's not that's it it's just like whether or not 
people make the choice realize, realize that they have the right to be free and that yeah. nobody else has the right to say otherwise and um and if people get that we're laughing and um i hope that we don't have to go back to you know horse and buggy and and pre-electricity -elect i, I kind of like I kind of like my life right now. It's pretty, pretty amazing. I wouldn't change much. Um, but like I said, like we've talked about, there's lots of, lots of practical reasons um, and, and spiritual and mental health and you know, uh, physical health reasons to, um, uh, to engage in some of these things. And, and uh, yeah, you know. agreed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, any, yeah, any any parting wisdom, any favorite quote, any uh, any jokes? Other blacksmiths tell jokes. Put me on the spot. <laughs> um, no, the only thing I'll recommend to you and the listeners um, to get a, a taste of um, Ayn Rand's influence on music is to listen to Anthem okay. and Closer to the Heart by Rush. Okay, just have a listen to those lyrics and see what you think. There you go. Spotify is getting two new, uh, two new likes. <laughs> right on. Okay. Okay. You take care, Dakota. Take care, Tim. Bye.